Last week, Sharon Torek and I joined Chip Griffin for his weekly small agency talk show. Outside of being one of the foremost experts on how agency owners can protect themselves from a business perspective, she also is an expert on when and how to copyright your intellectual property. And she happens to be my attorney and has helped me gain copyright and trademark rights for the PESO model and all of its assets. I'm personally a big fan. As part of the discussion, we touched on how to protect your IP and how to protect your ideas when speaking with prospects, in presentations at work, or in new business presentations. We want to showcase how smart we are, of course, and we do that by providing ideas. But for the most part, those ideas aren't protected if the prospect weren't to hire us. That's a different topic for at least one podcast episode in the future, but that's not what we're going to talk about today. Today, we're going to talk about why communicators are afraid to stick up for themselves, rock the boat, question authority, or ask fearless questions. Stay tuned for that on this week's Spin Sucks podcast episode. If you're a communications pro who works hard, doesn't compromise quality, and gets the job done, welcome home. We'll share our tips, tricks, and stories, and together we will change the face of PR. Spin sucks, but we don't. With the Spin Sucks Podcast, here's Jenny Dietrich. Welcome back to the Spin Sucks Podcast. I'm Jenny Dietrich. When Sharon talked about protecting your ideas, she mentioned that part of the challenge is, for the most part, communicators are people pleasers. So we don't want to tell anyone no. We want to be seen as easy to work with, and that's great. I'm definitely, definitely a people pleaser. There's nothing wrong with that unless it's at the detriment of you standing up for yourself or getting what you need from a boss, an executive, a prospect, a colleague, or a client. Back in the day when I started my agency, I was working with an ad agency and we had a huge opportunity to pitch a full service campaign for a large department store that had purchased an iconic Chicago department store. They needed to build a program that lets Chicagoans know that the only thing that was changing about their beloved store was the name. Everything else would stay the same, even the famous chocolates. Their goal was to be seen as caring about the city versus this New York behemoth coming in and taking over. We are, after all, the second city, and we do have quite a large chip on our shoulders about it. Chicago's great too, okay? Oh, New York, love you, but we're great as well. We pitched the heck out of that business and we seemingly won. But before contracts were finalized, they backed out of the deal. They decided they were just going to make the name change, come into Chicago and not spend any money on telling Chicagoans that they care about us. It was frustrating, but that's just how things go. It's business. After that, I went on vacation for a week and I came back to the office to a copy of the Chicago Sun-Times sitting on my desk with a post-it note flagging a story on the inside. As I turned on my computer and put my things down, I flipped to the flag story. It was written by, at the time, the advertising and marketing columnist who talked about said department store coming into Chicago and how they were only changing the name. The second paragraph described everything the department store was doing from a marketing and advertising perspective. It was our program. Word for freaking word. Messaging, ideas, even images pulled from one of the campaigns represented. I was so angry. I called the columnist and tore off his head. Of course, it wasn't his fault, right? How would he have known the department store stole our ideas? But it made me feel better. And until he retired, he would jokingly call me to make sure his story that was running in the next week's newspaper wasn't going to piss me off. I kind of miss those days. So yeah, I totally, totally, totally understand why Sharon always gets questions about how to protect ideas 
that haven't yet been paid for. It's infuriating, and while it may not be illegal, it certainly is unethical. In just a minute, I'll be back to discuss what we can do about the conundrum of wanting to be seen as easy to work with and being people pleasers with needing to do our jobs, yet getting what we need to be able to effectively do our jobs and not be taken advantage of. I'll be right back. There are two things I want you to know about. The first is the Fundamentals of Media Measurement course that we just launched with Muckrack, and the second is the PESO Model Certification. Both will help you evolve your career this year as you learn how to measure your work using the PESO Model to get you there. The Fundamentals of Media Measurement course can teach you how to measure your earned media efforts, create a successful measurement strategy, and report on your success. It will take you about two hours, but it has quick bite-sized lessons you can take when convenient. It has actionable tips, step-by-step approaches, and examples from Jonna Burke, Christopher Penn, and me. Go to mrac.co slash spinsucks to learn more, get registered, and start your measurement journey today. That's mrac.co slash spinsucks. Please be sure to use that link because I get a gold star every time someone registers, and I love gold stars. And for those of you who need to evolve your career, learn how to integrate the work you do with marketing and amp up your measurement efforts, the PESO model certification is for you. Step up your game with an academically accredited PESO model certification from Spin Sucks and the SI Newhouse School of Public Communications at Syracuse University. Learn more about that by going to spinsucks.com academy, or you can go to spinsucks.com and click on academy in the navigation. And now, back to the show. I'm back. So this truly is trying to figure out how to get out from between the rock and the hard place, right? It's doable, but it definitely takes a conscientious effort. There are three things you can do. Number one, collaborate with other departments. Number two, ask fearless questions. And number three, always, of course, put people first. That last one is the easiest because it's what we do. And because it will come naturally to most of you, let's start there. I've mentioned a time or two this year that many of the conversations I'm personally having with executives right now are centered around keeping employee and customer engagement high, building culture, and leading with values. In my opinion, one of the greatest things that to have come out of the past 15 months is we've all been reminded of what's important, and many executives want to continue to focus on their people first. This is fantastic. It's where they should focus. Sad that it took a global pandemic to get them there, but we are there and it's great. And it provides an unprecedented opportunity for communicators. It also allows us to collaborate and build consensus so the organization can lead with values. Putting people first is the first thing you should always do no matter what. And that's easy for you because you're a people pleaser. The second is collaborate with other departments. So we have a client who hates video. He's not a video watcher. He isn't a visual learner. He doesn't understand the appeal. Even when you present him with the data to support doing video and marketing, such as, you know, 65% of human beings are visual learners, it makes no difference. Two years ago, my team and I got a little frustrated with him because he refused. He refused to do videos. He argued with us. He didn't see the point. He thought we were wrong. Fine. So what we did instead is we went to his direct reports and we asked them to participate in videos. One of his colleagues loved the idea so much, he started doing a weekly video email to his prospects. What started as maybe 100 prospects two years ago is today more than 4,000. People love his video emails, and I tease him because he definitely has a fan club, for sure, definitely has a fan club. 
in doing that, guess what happened? The CEO finally came around. I'll never forget the day when in a meeting he said, do you think I should do video? And it was one of those things where I was like, huh, gosh, wonder where you came up with that idea. Mm, Yeah, you should do video. I knew, of course, that we had won at that point, right? We had made him think it was his own idea. And it allowed us to be people pleasers and get him to do what we needed him to do to have the most success. And truthfully, I'm at the phase of my career and my life where I don't care if it's not seen as my idea, even though it was my idea. I don't care if he doesn't see it that way as long as it gets done. Likewise, when we serve as the interim team for a PESO model program within an organization, we try to pull at least one person from each department at least once a month into our planning meetings. The collaboration not only builds trust and transparency, it builds collaboration. And many times the organization goes from a company full of information hoarders to information sharers. And because I'm a people pleaser, I personally love that. Everyone is happy. Last but definitely not least is to ask fearless questions. Chip Griffin and I had a similar conversation to this on a recent episode of the Agency Leadership Podcast. He's getting very much billing in this episode. I need to scale that back, but I'll link to the episode in the show notes on Spin Sucks for you. When you ask questions, people think you're pretty darn smart. I always love it when I leave a meeting having heard, man, you really made me think today. Thank you. And all I did, ask a bunch of questions. At the same time, and even though we are people pleasers, we shouldn't be afraid to ask hard questions or challenge the way things have always been done. If you're a parent, you can learn a lot from your kids as toddlers about this. The question why oftentimes makes you wanna lock yourself in the bathroom and never come out. But it also requires you to be more patient and to explain why you're asking your three-year-old not to lick the car. You would think you wouldn't have to explain it, but to a three-year-old, you do. I know I'm not the only one. Yes, my three-year-old did lick the car many times, in fact. (sighs) You don't want to be obnoxious at work, of course, and keep asking why like your toddler, but you can do a version of that without being annoying. Our goal is to ask a version of why at least five times before moving on. If you aren't sure how to do this or you're not comfortable with it, one of the most wonderful books you can read is A More Beautiful Question. Again, I'll link to it in the show notes on Spin Sucks for you. Not only does it help you figure out how to intelligently ask why a thousand times, it helps you increase your emotional intelligence as you learn to listen versus listen to respond. And that, my friends, are three ways that you can build collaboration, ask fearless questions, and put people first to be able to effectively do your job. As it turns out, it's possible to be people pleasers and be easy to work with while also protecting ourselves and our ideas. If you'd like to learn more about how to ask fearless questions, collaborate, or people first to get what you need out of your colleagues, join us in the Spin Sucks community. You can find us at spinsucks.com slash spin hyphen sucks hyphen community. That's spinsucks.com slash spin hyphen sucks hyphen community. It's free. It's fun. It's smart. And you might just learn a thing or two from your peers. I'll see you next week. If you're ready to change the face of PR, make sure you subscribe to the Spin Sucks podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a rating and a review. 